listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. This episode of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast is proudly brought to you by Rocky Analytics. During this time of reflection, rugby coaches are looking for new ways to help their players improve. Rocky's non-biased approach to game analytics gives coaches and players the ability to identify strengths and weaknesses in their game, highlighting specifically what skills need improving to become successful. Rocky has redesigned the entire performance analysis landscape in order to answer that key question, is my team getting any better? Rocky has the answers. Find out more on rucky.com, R-U-C-K-I-E.com, or find them on Twitter, LinkedIn, or YouTube. Welcome to episode 81 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Garrett Davies. Garrett is a head of PE and games teacher based in the UK and recently completed his level four coaching certificate. He is an RFU senior coach developer, a club head coach, and has coached from U sixes up to senior international in both the men's and women's game. He's producing some excellent coaching resources on Twitter and YouTube under the title of Garrett Davies Rugby Coaching and Analysis, and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So welcome, Garrett. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, before we get into the into the the meat of the the interview what's uh what's your lockdown situation like in terms of rugby and like what you're doing personally and also connecting with the teams that you you you're with at the moment yes strange old time but um still managing to speak to players every day uh kind of over long phone calls uh, with with various players each day uh, and then the, you know social media is pretty busy with the players yeah. uh, messaging back and forth which has been quite good um and it's it's just an opportunity i suppose i'm, I'm trying to see it as uh, while we're clearly we're away from the field and we missed the last few games in the season which is him uh, opened up at the doors and loads of cool conversations with different coaches from around the world and uh, I've been really pleased to be able to attend webinars and yeah. kind of the zoom zoom calls have been a bit of a revelation uh I've probably learned more from those Zoom calls in the last couple of weeks than I've, I've learned all season, to be honest. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, not a great situation worldwide, but you know, there's, there's opportunities being created from it as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, that that continues with regards to the sharing and the, you know, various unions uh, producing content to make their coaches better and that it just mm-hmm. it's not just a, a global pandemic that, you know, gets it going and that we actually continue with that because uh, it's definitely helping uh, in in personal and professional growth oh definitely i think it's um it's opened up some avenues of of thought i think maybe there was uh some perceived barriers before in terms yeah. of connecting with other coaches and and even the webinars that we've had the last last few days with the Stuart lancaster did, did one last night um mm. that's, that's a pretty cool thing to do uh, you don't you don't need to get 300 people in the room you can you can get them on their on their laptops and if i'm if i'm honest i think we we, we probably achieved similar outcomes uh, yeah. it's, it's great it's great having face to supplement it it's a it's it's a it's a new avenue, and I think there's potential for accessing more coaches as a as a result of it. Yeah, no, and that's yeah, and as I said in the intro, you're a, you're a coach developer as well, and RFU coach developer, so you're speaking from that that point of view as well. 
Yeah, very much so. It's um, the you know, the face-to-face courses that we do. I think are excellent. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've enjoyed delivering them for you know, for a long, long time now. Um, but I've, I've always thought that there's there's something missing in terms of the depth that we go into. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're you kind of you're always reliant on CPDs. Mm-hmm. CPDs are you know, if you can make it, they attend. It's it's much easier when you when the kids are in the bath to yeah. be able to jump away. From <laughs> Definitely, yeah. it's a. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're the, if you're a parent at home and you're and you're the only one looking after your kids, as, as an example, then being able to access it on your laptop that's uh, such a such an incredible resource. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big big opportunities going forwards, I think. For sure, for sure. All right, then. Well, let's uh, let's get on with your your rugby backstory. When when did you start playing, and what was a bit of your a brief history of your your playing career? Are you still you still kicking around now, or you you hung the boots up? Uh, yeah, still play every now. All right, there we so go. Yeah, it gets more and more rare every season. Yeah, uh, yeah. I started playing when I was eight uh, in in South Wales uh, from a little town called Ammonford in South Wales, mm-hmm. uh, in Carmarthenshire. Um, and yeah, it's a part and parcel of being from that area, really. That you you play rugby. It's a, it's not a not a choice. It's a, it's just a part of your kind of your genetic makeup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I loved it as a kid. Uh, played kind of every single age group and school and club and went through kind of the county system. Uh, and then at 16, uh, made the decision to leave school and go, uh, which was linked to the Scarlets. Uh, uh-huh. And then through that process, then uh, played for the Scarlets a few times, which is, which is pretty cool as a kind of 16, 17, 18 year old. Yeah. Um, and then kind of a lot of the route that players go down, you kind of you hope and, and pray for a contract. And uh, it, it didn't come when I was 18. Um, so made the decision that you know university was going to be my was going to be my route. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, was then got, was probably one of the bigger changes for me, really, and uh, went to Loughborough University. Um, so left left Wales, uh, which mm. was a pretty big decision at that point, and uh, played played a lot at university, and uh, that's kind of where coaching picked up as well. Um, and uh, unfortunately, suffered suffered a number of injuries through my through my through my youth. So a lot of, a lot of back problems, uh, torn medial ligaments and AC joints, and um, mm. so. But through that, that's that's essentially why I always fell back on coaching, and, yeah. and coaching since the age of kind of seventeen really has been my has been my constant. Um, so I've I've played and I still play now. Uh, kind of went through university and uh, played as much as I could. Went then into a senior club, um, and then made the big decision going to teaching. Um, yeah, and that, and that was a, that was quite a big decision really. It kind of is a move away from my previous life as a rugby development officer and a rugby coach full time. Um, to then go into a very different way of life, and mm. the playing took, took probably a little bit of a backseat at that point. Um, and then a, another big change went to a, went to a different place to, to teach and coach, and uh, and then played rugby there. They were a Hartbury College, which is uh, yeah, now playing the championship. Um, so when, when I played for them for a couple of years, which uh, which, was, which was really good, uh, kind of mixing with my coaching and teaching. Um, and then uh, went to another club called Cinderford, which uh, played in National One, um, and also coached there. Um, and at, at that point, my body started to struggle a bit, and mm-hmm. I've actually had two major hip operations in the last, in the last <laughs> eighteen months. Um, so uh, yeah, got got to the point where kind of my, my just wasn't keeping up. But yeah. fortunately, I'd uh, I'd made a decision quite early on that I was always coaching as as my backup. Yeah, yeah. You said you went to Loughborough, is that right? Yeah, I went to Loughborough University. Um, yeah. Did, uh, yeah, did a sports science degree at Loughborough, um, which, which I absolutely loved. Um, it's a bit then, of a mecca in terms of coaching and uh, phys ed, and there's been some uh, big names come out of there in, in the education and coaching world. 
yeah yeah massively it's uh yeah great place to be um it was a it was a massive change for me going from south wales and kind of being in the place like that uh, mm. but yeah absolutely loved it um kind of enjoyed my coaching locally so coaching primary schools in the in the area around Loughborough, um as well as as playing with the university and literally as soon as i as soon as i graduated i got a job for the university so mm. i worked as a as a rugby development officer for three years for, for the university which was pretty cool so, so why did you end up coaching in the very start? Uh, what was the what was the initial draw there that that got you in? Uh, initially, it was when I was at college um, as part of my course. I did a sports science course, right. um, a, a BTEC course from sixteen to eighteen, um, and, and coaching was a part of the course. So, I, kind of in primary schools around uh, around Lathy, um just sent out into the schools very little prior knowledge, uh, <laughs> in fact, no prior knowledge, and just off you go and, and see you get on. Um, and it, that was a that was a real baptism of fire. Uh, yeah. And I I learned very very quickly uh, that coaching is a tough old task. That's um, implicit learning in the real world. Oh, massively, massively. <laughs> um, but it, it was a it was a great opportunity, and it it really ignited my my passion for coaching. Um, so I was I was 16 at the time. Did my preliminary award, then did mm. my level one award uh, before leaving college. Yeah. Um, and then because I lived there, when I went to university, I then sought out opportunities, and I, I was fortunate to find a couple of, uh, of local coaching opportunities in schools. Um, did my level two then through that process, uh, and then yeah, just always had it there. And I've, I'm the kind of person that I, I've never seen coaching as a substitute for playing. Um, mm. I see them as very very different things. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's been it's been a constant since yeah, since age of sixteen. Wow, cool. And what um you know when you reflect on that that you know fifteen twenty year journey um what 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 have been some of the really big changes that you've made during that time and and were there any like key moments in your in your coaching time that that caused those, those changes to push you in one direction or another? Yeah, huge huge changes. Uh, I, I think I, when I think about the, that time. Uh, that early early years, I was I was just guessing my way through in reality. Um, and I think mm. one of the one of the biggest turning points for me is when I did my coach educator course, um, yeah. and that was in two thousand and seven. Um, so I'd been I'd been coaching for kind of five or six years at that point, uh, but in reality, I knew very little about coaching. Mm. Um, and, and doing that course just completely opened my, my eyes up as to. The coaching is is a lot more than just chucking your corns out and uh, and getting kids to do uh, to do practices. Um, so it, yeah, it really opened my eyes up to how important connection is between the coach and, and the and the players. Um, that it's it's a lot more than what happens just on the field. Um, so that was that was a real big turning point for me. Um, and then at the same time, I actually embarked on my level three, um, which, which I did when I was twenty one. I, I started when I was twenty one. Um, and I also took my first head coach job at that point as the with Loughborough Women's uh, Rugby Club initially. Right, um, right. So that that period for me was that was really uh, transformational. It was, uh, really changed my mind as to as to what the game entailed. Um, and while I was really analytical as a player and always really wanted to understand the game, I then saw it from from a really different angle. I thought, well, actually, as a coach, I, I can I can develop a, a huge amount of knowledge uh, that as a player. I, I probably wouldn't have done. Um, mm. So it, yeah, it definitely brought. Um, and there's been, I suppose, a significant number of changes uh, since then. I think the next really big changing point for me was I went to Gloucester Rugby. Um, I went there in 2011 um, and, and worked as their uh, under-18s uh, elite player development group 
uh, coach. I did right. that for four years, um, and that that period was just an incredible learning journey. Um, I, I think I, I learned more in those four years than I'd learned in all the time leading up to that point. Um, just working with kind of quality players, uh, boys that challenged me hugely in mm. in terms of where they wanted to be. You know, guys with aspirations to become British Lions, and and, and some have managed it since. Uh, I'm working with those kind of guys. It, uh, it 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 meant that I had to up my game, um, and it it meant that I I saw the the need to not just not just do a job, but be as good as you possibly can and, and, and never never accept that you've kind of reached the limit of your knowledge um, my, my mindset sense is that there is no there is no limit um, yeah. there's you just learn more and more and, uh, and the, the more you drive the, the more you learn and, and what were your what were your key kind of sources of information in those times where where did you get those kind of you know key bits of theory that you could match to what you're doing on on field um, I think that, well, the level three courses it was pretty cool initially. Um, I think that uh, that probably pushed me more along the lines of reading into skill acquisition mm-hmm. um, and challenging myself a little bit. To, um, you know, I had my sports science degree, mm. um, which, which covered you know, some some decent detail, uh, but in terms of the specific coaching stuff, it was the level three really pushed me down down that line of, of reading more reading more widely. Um, and, and then again, across the um, the couple of the guys there were doing their level fours at the time, um, and I was really eager to understand what their assignments were like and what theory they were covering. Um, mm. So that that was a pretty good access to, to knowledge and information, and and just spending time with other coaches as well. And that, that's I think that's something that probably stands out in the last fifteen years or so as being really powerful. Just seeing other coaches coach, uh, either to get kind of reassurance that what you're doing is okay, um, or to make you question what you're doing and, and, and see whether you can do it differently. Yeah, and ho- I agree. I totally agree. And, and hopefully that's a outcome of of what we're going through right now. Is that like you mentioned at the beginning, some of those perceived brick walls have now come down, and, and people are talking to each other more so than ever. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, some of the conversations I've been fortunate to have over the last well, last few months, and indeed the last couple of weeks, mm. are incredible, incredible conversations. That uh, you you realise how much you can glean from somebody else. Yeah. Just uh, sometimes a twenty minute chat, but you, you can pick up some uh, some real important information um, just from what is a fairly fairly straightforward conversation. Yeah, and how much people are willing to actually talk when you actually you know tap them on the shoulder and say, "Hey, do you want to chat?" Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that's uh, that, that's been a, a massive learning point for me is uh, is being willing to ask. I mean, mm. I've, I've probably throughout my life really I've been I've been too I've been very determined to kind of gather information myself, to mm. read widely, to uh, pick up information myself. Whereas asking for help uh, is a is a skill, uh, and, yep. and it's one that I've I've probably not been good enough at in reality. Um, and this time has forced me to be. I've, yeah. I've asked. I've sent some pretty bold emails and uh, and, and uh, direct messages on on Twitter over the last few months. Um, and, and it's come up with with a lot of yeses, which I, I never yeah. thought would be possible. No. Um, so yeah, some some great that, conversations because of it. That's the story of this podcast, basically. I, I throw it out there to anyone and everyone, and no matter what level they're coaching at, and you know the amount of yeses you get back is astonishing, really. Yeah. All right. Well, you you also spent uh, five weeks in Jamaica, and on top of everything else, you've been awarded a, a master's in education leadership. They're two pretty cool journeys. What what were some of the big lessons in the, in those experiences for you? 
Yeah, well, the, I think the trip to Jamaica was was pretty transformational, really. Um, I got a, just after graduating, I was really lucky to go on a coaching exchange, uh, which was a part of Rough University and the Jamaican Rugby Union working together. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, just an incredible change of culture, um, very very different people, uh, incredibly welcoming, but from a kind of a third world perspective, uh, really really different setup in terms of their rugby and their kind of their way of life. Mm. Um, so being really engrossed in their culture, it was it was a, it was a massive cultural shock um, coming from South Wales, uh, and in reality, kind of Loughborough University was a, a, was as different as it got for me really at, at that point in life. So mm. going to go to Jamaica, it really opened my eyes up to just one how uh, kind of how different the world is, um, and how uh, how people see things uh, alternatively, dependent on where they are in the world, um, mm. and just how much you can do. They were playing, playing rugby on pitches that were virtually all all dust, so kind of mm. very very little if any grass on them. Absolutely rock solid. Um, a lot of the kids didn't have boots to play with, so they were they were playing barefoot. Um, a lot of the kids were going to school in, in a couple of schools. They go to school without school shoes on, um, so being barefoot was was pretty normal for them. Um, and then they got the rugby field, and they just gave absolutely everything. I was, uh, wow. I, I was probably, probably more shocked in the rugby context by just how uh, how committed they were to what they were doing. Mm. Absolutely, hundred percent effort. Never complained one bit. And you think of what they kind of all that they don't have in comparison to what we just take granted. Um, I was just, I was amazed by it. Uh, and then as was allied to that was just how welcoming they were and how and how grateful they were. Mm. I was uh, at the time I was only twenty one at the time. Um, so I was uh, I was pretty young and green, um, and they were really really welcoming of the of the support, and you know they've been they've been lifetime friends, and uh, I've kept I've kept in touch with them since. So yeah, the just how the sort of values of the game can can really shine through, and how welcoming people can be and respectful, mm. um, regardless of the kind of the other other things that they have to endure within within their lives. So, yeah, pr- pretty cool experience. Cool. Yeah, so then the, uh, my master's, uh, I started that way back in 2013. Um, I, I, I did, it, did it part-time. Uh, I was kind of at that point in life where I just finished my teaching qualification. Um, mm. and I was I felt that I was uh, I was in the swing of academic study. Um, and if I didn't do it then, in all honesty, I don't think I'd ever fit it, fit it in. Mm. So while I knew it was going to be a you know, massive, massive task, with with small children and a full time job, um, I just thought that now's the time. Really engaged yeah. in it, and uh, it was it was incredible. Um, my, I was very fortunate with my professor uh, that he was had a real in depth knowledge of all things education, all things education and uh, leadership and management. Um, you know, he'd run his own his own business. He'd been very successful in uh, kind of out of education. And then decided that he wanted to come and share all that, um, as well as being a researcher. Uh, mm. And he, he really opened my eyes up to the the deeper things of an organisation. So rather than just thinking that you can go to an organisation, you can start your job and uh, and it'll all be fine. Um, he really put the the nuts and bolts in behind about kind of stakeholders and how you manage your environment. Um, Understanding that people have have different interests within their job, and even though you're you think you're in the same job as somebody, and and for the same reasons, the likelihood is that you that you aren't, mm. um, and and people have different agendas with what they're doing. Uh, also, some of the management of change, I think that 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 really stands out. Um, that managing change is uh, if if you want it to go the way that you would like it to go, you've you've got to be pretty careful. 
you conduct yourself. Mm. Um, changes. Uh, one of the signs of sickness in mind is that change is inevitable. Uh, but do we have control as to whether uh, whether that chain goes in the direction that we would really like it to go? Um, and there will be lots of deviations along the way. But if, you, if you've got an end goal in sight and you're and you're relatively thoughtful as to the way you'd like to get there, then that you've got a better chance of reaching your outcome. And uh, yeah, it, it really changed my perspective of society in general. Really, kind of the the framework the society is built on and the, mm. the forces and the powers that the people will ex- will execute dependent on what they want to get out of life. Um, and, and I definitely apply that to a you know to a rugby coaching environment and the the different uh, different influences different players will have and the you know, the committee behind the behind the scenes the rest of the coaching team so it uh, yeah it's, it's helped in all walks of life I, I, I'd probably say out of all the things I've done uh, in reality is is probably the most life changing thing that that I've done uh, and considering some of my trips to Jamaica and Barbados and uh, some some places that are very very different. Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably still hold that it's it's the most transformational thing that I've, I've ever done. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, you, you've become pretty prolific in terms of producing video content for coaches, both on uh, YouTube and Twitter under the uh, Garrett Davies Rugby Coaching and Analysis uh, tag. You, you, how's it? Firstly, how's it feel to be borderline internet famous? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not. I'm still not. Uh, as famous right now, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's really really cool. I mean, that's, yeah. that would be my summary. It's a mm. it's a really cool thing to be able to engage with and talk to people from all over the world uh, yeah. on a on a daily basis without fail. Um, yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm 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 passionate about the game. Uh, I I I don't hold back when it comes to my uh, acknowledgement of the fact that I I love the game uh, mm. and I love it wholeheartedly. Exactly. Um, and I love everything about it. Uh, so you know, when people talk about the you know, various aspects of the game that interests you, well, there's no part of the game that doesn't interest me. Mm-hmm. So being able to spot, uh, talk to people uh, from different walks of life and different perspectives, I mean, that's 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 pretty cool. Uh, that, yeah. That's probably what, the thing I enjoy the most of it. Yeah, well, that's is that what what inspired you initially to go down this path? To because it's a pretty bold move, you know. Like I, you know, put the podcast to the same is like you're putting yourself out there. You're putting your your views and your your thoughts about a particular scenario. In your case, on, on video and an analysis of it, and applica- uh, applying that to training. What 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 was the initial impetus there to to, to get that going? Uh, I was I was pretty terrified uh, when I put my first video up. Uh, yeah. In fact, I felt I felt actually quite uh, strange emotions. You feel like I felt pretty <laughs> embarrassed, to be honest. I yeah. thought, uh, "God, what am I doing to myself?" Um, the so, so the stimulus was the yeah. uh, my my coaching life has changed quite significantly since leaving Gloucester in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I no longer work in a, in any performance environment. I, I work very much in, in the community game. Um, and that's uh, that's that's really enjoyable, uh, but it doesn't necessarily give me the uh, the depth of thought that mm. I would like to be exercising. Um, so, kind of making videos is something I've really enjoyed doing for my own teams for a number of years. Um, and then the real real final stimulus, I suppose, was uh, was a, a, a comment that was made by Eddie Jones in the press. Um, where he, he commented just after the uh, semi-final where England beat New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, he talked about the fact that he wanted the game to be eighty percent unstructured and twenty percent structured, uh, and he felt that England were on their way to be in it, be in that kind of style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just disagreed wholeheartedly. Uh, I just <laughs> thought that that's that's not the way that you play. Uh, that's not the game you play. It's not the way that any of your teams have ever played. Uh, 
So I thought, well, I'll, I'll make a video uh, of, the, of the first try uh, just to demonstrate that actually they are playing with shape, they are playing with structure. Um, and although there's loads of variation within that, the game is still it still has shape to it. Mm. Uh, it's not it's not just random things happening on the field. That this is there's a lot of pre-planning and, and interaction with the environment happening. Mm. Um, so yeah, I made the video, uh, then kind of came to the point where I had to put it on, and so I chucked it chucked it on Twitter. So I thought to see how it would would go, uh, and it just it just went off. Uh, just got a ridiculous number of views, kind of got about thirty five thousand views in the first wow, couple of days. Awesome. Um, so yeah, it became really really popular. Um, but well, that's you know, that that's brought lots of discussion. Uh, lots of people commented and. And uh, some you know, really good uh, in-depth discussions with with some people. Um, and people then direct messaging and uh, wanting to know more. And I thought, well, this maybe uh, maybe I'll do another one. Um, mm. So I kind of I, I didn't set out with any plan plan in mind in any way whatsoever. Um, it was just a case of well, I've I disagree with what is being said uh, in mm. social media. Um, and you know, maybe if I if I put something out, maybe we'll get some discussion. And that's, that's pretty much my post since, to be honest. I, uh, yeah. I still still take the mindset that I, I want to sh- show people what I'm seeing, um, gain some discussion from it, and, uh, and yes, it's, it's gone pretty well since. Cool. Well, I'll be I'll be sure to put the your Twitter handle in the show notes as well as your YouTube link uh, as well to your page, so so coaches can check it out if they haven't already. Um, what uh, what in in the time you've been running it? What have been some of the big the big messages or big learnings that you've taken away from it that you can apply directly to your coaching? I know for for me this this pod has been you know, hands down the the best coach development experience I, I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 about you? No doubt you're learning a ton uh, from from this project. Yeah, massively, massively. And, um, it it showed me uh, it showed me how much of a message you can get get across in a short space of time. I think that's mm, uh, I, and in reality, I hadn't perceived that uh, when I put my first few videos up. I use iMovie as a, in a really basic program. Um, mm. Got two hundred forty seconds, uh, which is uh, or two hundred twenty seconds rather, uh, which is a, a ridiculously short length of time. To, mm. to get a message across, um, and yet you can get huge amounts of detail in a short space of time. And it, I think, I took that then into my own my own club and my own analysis sessions. I thought, like, we we don't need twenty five minutes, um, mm. like, we don't need twenty minutes. I, I can send these boys five minutes of clips, absolute maximum, uh, and that that'll generate enough discussion to not need uh, not need a big big sit down and. Actually, eventually, we got into the point w- with my club that we we don't we don't sit down anymore. Uh, we, we don't mm. do sit down analysis sessions anymore, um, uh, and we, we get I think we we get probably more done by uh, by just changing the, the approach. And and that's definitely come come from the kind of the Twitter process. Um, I think other things that come from it is uh, just just how different people's perceptions of exactly the, the same picture can be. Um, mm. And I think uh, while you you're almost subconsciously aware of that with your players, I probably hadn't really in in detail perceived just how different some of these perspectives could be, and just how valid their their perspective is. That you know, it's mm. uh, it, it's only my opinion, um, and. Uh, you know, Though it's kind of absolute fact, this is what's happened. Uh, well, that's uh, I think that's problematic, and I I try on my on my social media to to make that point as regularly as I can. Uh, it's, it's just it's just what I'm seeing. Um, so it doesn't mean to say this absolutely what's happening. It's, it's just the way I see it, and, uh, and, I, and I take it into my coaching environment as well. But 
just accept that not everybody sees things the same ways, but trying to help people understand each other. I think that that's a pretty good outcome. Yeah, I think I think it's a result of the the complexity of rugby. Really, that there there are so many working parts, and depending on what your background is, even you know your your positional affiliation, uh, you you know ten people could see it ten different ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and they're all all probably right in some way or other. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, and I suppose it's another thing that comes out of it is just how important it is to get some kind of coherence through that. Um, kind of on on social media, I can get to a point where we just we just agree to disagree, and that, mm-hmm. that, that's fine. In a coaching environment where these guys are going to be making decisions that support each other, uh, I, I'm not sure you can agree to disagree. Um, yeah. you, you you have got to find some kind of coherence. So if some one person thinks you should be kicking, one person thinks you should be running. You've got to find a middle ground there somewhere, um, and you've got to find coherence. And so, uh, yeah, I think how important it is, I suppose, to to gather their opinions and get guys talking and get them sharing their opinions, particularly the ones that are really, really quiet. Because often, uh, often players are really quiet when they they don't want their own perception challenged. Sometimes uh, they they feel that you know they're, they're quite happy the way, with what the way they think. They don't want it challenged, so they they remain quiet. So mm. um, yeah, just drawing that out a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I think I had Dave Vessels on the show from uh, well, he, he was with the he was with the Force at that time. Uh, he's now with the Rebels, um, and he he talked about how he, he and his staff, uh, you know, when they're meeting, um, you know, there might be disagreements, there might be passionate debate, but once they walk out of that room, they're all they're all aligned, they're all on board with the message that was decided at the end. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty important. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Mm, cool. All right. Well, in in some of your recent videos, you you're, you're obviously trying to create uh, context of some kind that can then be transferred uh, by coaches into their practice design mm-hmm. uh, using using video, a short clip of video. Um, can you explain an example of of how you'd build such a, a context based practice session as a coach using you know various constraints within your session uh, based around uh, some initial video footage? Yeah, I think uh, one of the main things I look for in in the videos is, is what information is relevant within within a particular picture. Um, so mm-hmm. something I really enjoy doing is taking snapshots of a particular part of the game, mm-hmm. and then considering what what are the contributors to that situation happening. So uh, use a ruck as an example. Um, you if you look you look at you know, fifty different rucks, you will get. So lots of difference, of course, because they are just the nature of the game. But you'll also get some consistency, and they, and there will be certain variables that remain regardless of of uh, how we got to that point. There will be some variables that that are very very similar. Um, so that's one thing that I, I like to do is kind of take lots of different of of, of uh, a scenario, consider what the defensive behaviours are like, uh, consider what staff points are like. So. Uh, Kind of as a as a tackler or as a defensive line, um, if if the person on the left hand side has made a tackle, who's who's most likely now to enter that ruck, um, mm-hmm. and, w- and what would be the challenges they face? Where are legs? Uh, what what do they have to go around? Um, how does the tackle impact their entry to a ruck? Um, so, so my practices then are, are directly related to that, and I'll we'll start tackles in, the, in a variety of situations. I'll, uh, I'll ask the ball carrier to fall backwards in the tackle, um, so the the picture is different. Kind of don't don't tell support players that's the case. Um, mm. Start start their practices in a, in a defensive shape. 
um, which is, is probably it's, it's oh, it sounds actually quite obvious, um, but it's so, so incredibly important. I mean, most 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 rucks you enter are from initially some form of defensive pattern. Mm. Um, it's you know it, it's actually quite rare that you lend to the ruck from a completely variable situation where there's there's players everywhere the transition uh, one phase maybe um, and as of then you're into you're into defensive shape so starting your ruck practice with your defensive team in in shape even if it's only three players that they're you know, they're, they're probably side by side and they're probably fairly evenly spaced as they, as they would mm. be on the table so yeah that, that type of thing is I, I get a get a lot of pleasure out of, out of trying to represent those kind of practices as closely as I can to, to the game. Yeah, well, the, there was one recent that you put up about about defence and, and how within, you know, attack meeting defence there's often a number of 1v1s that, mm-hmm. that appear and then uh, I really like that video and I'll, I'll put that up on my website so, so people can, can find it and see it. I got a lot out of, uh, you know, just the way you... Um, like I'm a big fan of the whole part, whole structure, and that the parts is the drilly bit, and the, the whole I'd probably say would be 80% games for me. Um, mm. But just the drills part of it is how you manipulated the cones and the position from where the ball carrier is running and the tackle is coming from to try and replicate a one v one in a game. I thought that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's based I suppose, on my on my underlying philosophy, which the context is is everything. It, mm. it doesn't have to be in a game as such, but it has to be game related. So the that, that one be one practice. I'd we'd we done some video with the boys. I'd shown them uh, kind of what what type of situations we were experiencing on a Saturday, um, and then I went through with them the practice at the, at the start of the session and just kind of explained that if if you can picture back from the video, this is the touchline. Uh, this is the this is where the other defender would be. This is the space that you have to work within. So kind of mm. uh, one, one of the things with one on one practices is that your well, by the definition of the game, you're never on your own. There's there's 14 other players on the field as long as you have another card, um, mm. but the, but you will still have to cover a certain space where it is your responsibility. Um, so just put it into that kind of context, and you know, the size of the area is really important. Um, you know, having a, a kind of 40 meter wide space for a one on one is. It's mm. it's, maybe, it's maybe relevant every now and then. Maybe for a you know a, a line break and a 15 is mm. going to make a tackle, and, and you might want to replicate that. Um, that's you know that's a pretty that's a pretty rare situation, but you'd 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 want to explain it. So yeah, keep mm. keeping it in context, regardless of whether it's one v one, two v two, three v three. Um, what's the context? What part of the game are we trying to replicate? Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, I'll, I'll definitely like I said, I'll put that up on the website. And um, in the in the introduction, you uh, I mentioned you've recently been awarded your level four certificate. Can you explain a little bit about that the application process? I think it's pretty uh, selective. And, and what was your main reason for pursuing uh, the level four in the first place? Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's a pretty long process. Um, it's yeah, quite tough to get on. Uh, actually, I, I applied uh, in two thousand and fourteen initially um, mm-hmm. when I was when I was at Gloucester, and I was uh, at that point I was I was pretty desperate to get on. Um, I think the main the main reason for me applying was that I would I just wanted to expand my knowledge. I wanted to push myself as far as I could possibly go. Um, and I, I was really excited by the content of Level 4 because at, at that point in time, the Level 4 changed from its old version to being a, actually quite a, an academic course. Um, mm. And I'm, I'm pretty excited by that. That's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty pretty academia-led, really, with my with my approach to, to most things. 
Um, so it, it, one, it would give me access to, to resources and to academic study that I, I wouldn't get otherwise. Um, mm. And also that it would make help me connect with guys in the same kind of situation, guys who want to aim for the stars and uh, want to do as well as they can do in, in, in their coaching lives. Um, at that point, unfortunately, I didn't get on. A pretty, uh, pretty tough process. Uh, mm. Ended up uh, went through the interview process at Twickenham, and, um, and unfortunately, uh, I missed the boat on that one. Um, so then, decided to go for it again, uh, which was a pretty big decision, really, after you know, suffering an initial disappointment. Um, and I thought, well, you know, you've got you've got to try again. Uh, it's it's an opportunity to to make, to do the course and to, and to go through it. So, yeah, went, uh, filled up my application. Um, went through the discussion process and the rationale process uh, again to explain you know, why I wanted to do the course and, uh, and what, what I felt I could bring to it. And yeah, I was very pleased to get to gain a spot. Mm, that's awesome. And what, so what's it look like now, the, the new level four in terms of uh, coursework? Yes, it's it's pretty heavy to be honest. Uh, you you do six uh, six workshops, um, so you're an introdu- introduction workshop, and then five following. Uh, part of that is uh, you're out in the field. So we went down to uh, Simon Amos uh, England Seven session. Um, right. We had a day there, which was which was really cool. Then um, a couple of days then for each of the module with various coaches from around the premiership or international coaches um where they came and presented or delivered sessions and we we got some some work with them um so so the kind of the face-to-face aspect of it was was really enriching and enlightening uh, and definitely challenged and changed a lot of my perspectives um and then each one of those modules follows up in an assignment so we did five assignments during uh, during the 18 months and that then finishes up with a long-term assignment, uh, which uh, took kind of three or four months of, of solid graft to, uh, to mm. put together. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty intense and tough process, um, which uh, you know is, is tough to balance with general life. Uh, but yeah, worth it um, without, without shadow of a doubt for the kind of cool. the learning that's come from it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I was just about to ask that. Well, what was your final assignment on, and what were some of the big, big takeaways for you? Uh, I did the final assignment uh, basically on, on the things that interest me the most, so coach education uh, and being context based in your in your coaching, and, and as being mm-hmm. as kind of theory uh, theory informed with, with your coaching. So um, mm-hmm. I, I interviewed uh, half a dozen coaches from uh, either elite rugby or elite netball. Um, kind of, I, I wanted to go, wanted to go big, so uh, I interviewed uh, full time professionals, so guys working in the Pro 14, the Gallagher mm-hmm. Prem. Uh, and uh, an international coach um, and I wanted to do two things so one was to gather their their experience as a, as a coach uh, and kind of where that where that journey had gone from um, and indeed what the kind of turning points were along the way um, so what what influenced them to go into it in the first instance what happened along the way uh, and how did they get to where they are now um, and then the flip side of it was then on field, what do you deliver? Um, what does what, what your practice design look like? What's, what's your philosophy? Um, and then looking at those two things together. So uh, when it comes to practice design, how was their journey influenced the way that they think and way that they work? Mm. Um, and it was it was incredibly enlightening. Uh, unfortunately, my final write-up uh, Included probably a, probably a small percentage of the of the really rich information that we covered, but kind of restricted by a word count. I'd, uh, I'd probably cut out more than I would like, um, but it's it's opened up some avenues for future. Um, so yeah, r- really cool and uh, yeah, massively massively insightful. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it definitely uh, seems you took a massive amount away from it. Great. All right. Well, um, we we always end the show with the same final four questions. When when you were a kid growing up in Wales, who, who was one of the players or players that uh, that really you know got you interested in the game, got you passionate about it? Oh, I was a massive fan of Neil Jenkins as a as yeah, a kid growing yeah. up. Uh, yeah, just uh, I, I was. I was in a, in an area where right on the border of Swansea and and Flesley. Um So in yeah. terms of in terms of the regions, um, and I actually made the decision that Pontypridd were going to be my team because of Neil Jenkins. Uh, so <laughs> he was a, a big Pontypridd player and uh, scored a lot of points for them. So yeah, he was. A, he, I idealised him as a kid and I, I, I listened, read his uh, autobiography and kind of heard uh, the way that he practiced and the amount of time he spent on the pitch and. And that, and that definitely transferred to me and spending uh, a lot of my time on the training pitch on my, on my own. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he's a, he's a massive name. And uh, no matter where you are uh, in the world, uh, the, the name Neil Jenkins uh, definitely rings uh, rings out for sure. Um, cool. What about what about now? Who are some of the players you like watching? Oh, massive fan of Reese Webb. Um, mm, I think uh, yeah. yeah, I think as a scrum half score, he's a massively, massively talented player. Um, I uh, yeah, really enjoy watching him. It was uh, interesting the in the years he spent in uh, in, in Toulon um, and how that's then impacted his international aspirations. But mm. pretty cool to see him back now. Um, so yeah, massive fan of him. Uh, and then I, I'm pretty big fan of players like Owen Farrell, um, who uh, kind of divides uh, divides opinion in, in lots of ways. Um, <laughs> is I think somebody who's just a competitor, um, kind yeah. of regardless of what what you perceive about uh, various other parts of his performance. He's, he's a competitor, desperate, desperate to do well, uh, and and has got loads of passion with it. And I think there's a lot to be taken from that. And in the same vein, somebody like Johnny Sexton, um, a massive, uh, massive fan of his, um, in particular, just how resilient he is. So he's gone through injury and gone through criticism and, uh, and he's, he steps up every time. So, you know, those guys mm. definitely stand out for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and- you know, say what you want about Farrell, but the game needs characters. You know, the game needs a bit of controversy, and you know, we can. I'd hate it to be like rugby league, where everyone's kind of same body shape, same same you know playing style, those kind of things. So I think, I think more power to him. Um, you know, yeah. just wrap the arms a bit, obviously. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to mention that. I don't want to mention. Yeah, that. yeah, of course. <laughs> um, well, on on uh, Farrell and also Ford and and all these. Um, you know, webinars going around. I, I just watched the one by um, uh, Wise Mantle uh, on skill acquisition, mm-hmm. and he said his time at England, um, Ford and Farrell were the most competitive players he's ever coached. Um, so I thought that was a pretty pretty big statement, considering yeah. he's, he's coached uh, internationally in two other countries, and uh, you know is now you know uh, pretty pretty well known coach. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it definitely cool. it comes across in their performances, and it kind of comes yeah. across in just the, the fact they don't give up and they, you know, they, they push pretty hard. Awesome. And uh, fourth, third question: What about what about coaches? Who are some of the coaches you like? What they're doing on a on a high profile level? I, it's hard not to be massively, massively impressed by Sue Lancaster. Um, mm. I think um, I think one of the things that impresses me most about him uh, is that he's gone through adversity. Uh, he's, he's gone through every stage of development. Uh, got to what you. Uh, as, as, an, as a coach gone through an international job the kind of pinnacle of your career um, and, and, and crashed uh, 
And I think the, the, the measure of him is just the way that he now has responded to it. Um, mm. kind of, he doesn't show one inkling of bitterness. Uh, and I just mm. think that is, that is the best measure uh, of, of somebody. If you can go through adversity, go through uh, experiences that in reality you wish had never happened, um, and actually just learn from them. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. A massive fan of his. Um, and obviously Warren Gatland, as a, I, growing up through my uh, my younger years, uh, I just got very used to Wales losing rugby games. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, the, the saying that there's always next year was essentially mm. every international you, you ever watch Wales play, <laughs> you're, almost, you're saying that before the game begins. Uh, yeah. So get into that period of, of time. I was sat there with my brother in 2005 with a, with a Grand Slam uh, and then, Warren Gatlin taking over and actually getting consistency of results. I just, uh, yeah, ma- massive, massive fan of his. Uh, and, and indeed, it's probably a measure of him, really, that he's managed to go down to the Chiefs and, uh, and has achieved success immediately. It's kind of, it, mm. it's, it's, uh, it's probably the affirmation that there's no, there's no one context success here. It's, the guy's managed to build three groups of players through Welsh rugby and then has gone into that environment and, and is successful again. So, yeah, those guys really stand out for me. Yeah, and on the Lions level as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and then last question: um, who's who's someone uh, in your local area, a grassroots coach, who, who you think's doing great work and deserves uh, some recognition? Uh, I think one of the one of the guys that I'm just a massive fan of, and I think uh, as as a person and as a, as a coach, is a is a guy called Dwayne Goodfield, uh, who's who's coaching at Cardiff Blues. Uh, so he's, he's, he's probably he's on a grassroots, uh, he's at a good level of the game, uh, but he's, mm. he's, a, he's a name that won't be who won't be known by uh, by a lot of the kind of mm. uh, a lot of the public. Um, I think that somebody like him is a is a cracking example as to uh, the, the adage that good people make good coaches. Um, mm. Coaches make good people, and, and I can I can see that from from him, uh, and indeed the kind of culture that he's he, he'd be the name that I would I would pick out. Perfect. Well, it's a, it's a great way to wrap things up for sure. All right, Garrett. Well, it's been awesome having you on the show. Uh, I've been been following your stuff on Twitter for a while now. I really enjoy it. I really get a lot out of it, and no doubt other coaches uh, get a huge amount out of it. Um, so it's been great having a chat about that experience and your level four and. Uh, all the best, and thanks Thanks for giving up some of your time. No pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Cheers. This episode of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast is proudly brought to you by Rocky Analytics. During this time of reflection, rugby coaches are looking for new ways to help their players improve. Rocky's non-biased approach to game analytics gives coaches and players the ability to identify strengths and weaknesses in their game. Highlighting specifically what skills need improving to become successful. Rocky has redesigned the entire performance analysis landscape in order to answer that key question, is my team getting any better? Rocky has the answers. Find out more on rucky.com, R-U-C-K-I-E.com, or find them on Twitter, LinkedIn, or YouTube. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. enjoyed the show please leave a review via itunes and keep listening for the next episode you can also follow us via twitter at rugby coaches cnr or via the website the rugby coaches until next 
Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.